This is the Seven Figures Podcast Smart Money Strategies for Women with Sandy Waters. Seven Figures is sponsored by Family First Credit Union. When it comes to financial education, earning and learning go hand in hand, and Family First is here to help you and the greater Rochester community with both. All right. Well, thank you again for spending some time with us today. I know your day is crazy busy and your time is so precious. So we really appreciate you being here with us and listening to the Seven Figures podcast. The goal today is hopefully to inspire you, to motivate you. Are you ever curious about the people who are on top, who have it all, career success, financial success? Do you ever wonder what's their story? How did they get to where they are? What pushed them to the next level of success? Lauren Dixon is here with us to openly share her story, CEO and co-owner of Dixon Schwabel Marketing and Advertising Agency. Thank you for coming in. You always look so fantastic, by the way. You are so kind. Do you ever have a day where you just go out in public in sweats or jeans? Um, no, no, you don't. Do I don't. You? I don't. I'll tell you why. Because many, many years ago, I was working on PM Magazine, and I got up really early one Saturday morning and went to Wegmans with a little T-shirt on, flip-flops, and a pair of shorts. And there were two women who were in the produce department, and they said, I wonder if Dick Burt knows that she goes out in public <gasps> and looks like that. That was... The last time I ever went really? out in public looking like a rag muffin. <laughs> yes. I said, not doing it because, you know, you have a responsibility. And I had a responsibility to represent Channel 13, even when I was on the air or not. So lesson wow. learned. Lesson learned. <laughs> wow. And you know what? They say that, though. Other financially savvy people are successful people, we can say, like Barbara Corcoran, which, by the way, <laughs> do you have any ties to Barbara Corcoran? Because my nine-year-old has challenged me to get her on this podcast. Really? And I'm like, holy cow, girl, oh. off to goals. <laughs> no, no connection whatsoever. <laughs> well, if you have any, let me know. Okay, we'll She's do. like, mom, you can persevere because, you know, that's what they teach these kids now in school. <laughs> but anyhow, she had said that if you were going to spend any money Spend money on a really sharp-looking outfit that you feel good in. Absolutely. And I truly believe in that. Um, Because there are days that I may go to work with not my favorite outfit on, and I just don't feel right. But the days that I go, what I think is put together, some might question (laughs) that, um, I feel feel like I can conquer the world. So I'm a big believer in that. Yeah. And I think that... It sounds stereotypical female thing, but I really think it is. I think we're wired differently where the Mark Zuckerbergs can show up in a T-shirt and jeans. Right. And I would have a lousy day if I yeah, looked like that. I would feel messy. Yeah. I wish I could do that, yeah, but I can't. Too. Me neither. I can't. All right. So I want to learn more about you. But before the you that we know now, the Lauren Dixon from day one, what was it like growing up as Lauren Dixon? What was your family like? Well, I wasn't Lauren be? back then, you know. I was Laurie. Lauren oh. is my real name. and But growing up in Cheshire, right outside of Canandaigua, population probably 250, including dogs and cats. It's a little <laughs> teeny tiny community. Um, it doesn't have a stoplight. Oh. It has a fire hall, a church, and a company store. So growing up, it was very much like Andy of Mayberry. It was really very, very much like that. Um, I lived next door to my grandma, 
and my grandma lived next door to my aunt and uncle, and they lived next door to my other aunt and uncle. Oh, my God, I would think you were Italian. <laughs> <laughs> nope. 100% English. <laughs> um, and it, it was very um, modest, uh-huh. and it was the day and time of my mama would make me a fluffernutter sandwich at 7 a.m. and say, be back by 5. Yeah. And of course, never saw us for that period of time, and we would just race all over the place. Parents didn't know what kids were doing back then. No. Thank goodness we were doing um, good things, I think. I look back now, and I think, oh, some of it was kind of even a little dangerous. Um, but it was it was really fun. But overall, were you a good kid? You tried to follow I was, the rules? I yeah. was a rule follower, and I was a tomboy. I hung oh, out really? with all the boys in the neighborhood, and... Yeah, yeah. It was really fun. Now, growing up in your house, so your mom, did she work at that point? I know. She worked part-time okay. at, at a clothing store, okay. and she was also a seamstress, so she made all of my clothes. And my dad um, owned a trucking business, and so very, very, very hard worker. Up every day okay. at 4 a.m., left for work, got back, and it was during the time where everybody ate at 5 p.m., you know? Everybody. Yeah. I'm like, Wow. Certainly times have changed. We're lucky if we are having dinner at 7 in oh the evening, even when <laughs> I was hoping you were going to say that because I was going to feel like a horrible mother oh, if you said goodness. anything other than that. <laughs> 7.30, I'm like, oh, shoot, dinner, wait. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm with you. Because he did work those long hours, and it was a different time. I feel like the generation before us, they were very hush-hush quiet about money. Mm-hmm. Was he open with talking about finances and teaching you those lessons? He was. He was very open. I knew that we were probably average or maybe below average middle class because all of my girlfriends lived on Westlake Road in Canandaigua, and I certainly didn't live in a house like they lived in. <laughs> so I knew. And uh, But from a very early age, my dad was um, interested in teaching me the value of not only money but of hard work. Mm-hmm. And I do remember, you know, I had an allowance, and it was like a nickel for this and 10 cents for that. And I remember when I was five years old, I had just, um, it was the summer going into first grade, and I wanted to go to Roseland. Um, back then it was the amusement park, right? And, um, and I wanted to go four times. Well, that meant that I had to make $20 because it's $5 for the weekend pass. Oh, right? and your parents said yeah. you would yes. have to oh. earn. Mm-hmm. And so I was anxious. I really wanted to make it. But, you know, in the first couple of days, I was making a nickel here, a dime there, and I I saw no future in that. So one Saturday, I got up, and I thought that I had a better idea. So at 9 a.m., I raced out with my mother's aluminum foil and a pair of scissors, and I went to Mrs. Wolfanger's house, and I caught all of her flowers down in her backyard, and I put the aluminum foil around those flowers, and I went to her front door, rang her phone, her um, bell, and I sold her flowers back to her for a dollar. Well, I repeated this. Lauren, over, I know, I know, you stole I know. her flowers. I stole and her flowers. <laughs> I didn't know it was stealing back then. It was just my idea of making money. I was oh trying to goodness. think out of the box, and so. I raced around my neighborhood, and I remember I had this basket on my um, bicycle, and yeah. the, the dollar bills are flowing all over the place. And I came back, and I said, Dad, 
I made $20. And he's like gulping. And I told him how I did it. And oh, man, I was never in more trouble. Even though oh. I am a self-proclaimed rule follower, I did not I follow the rules. I broke the rules that day. What? And so he made me go back door to door to door to give the money back. And nobody would take the money back, which was amazing. So um, I did apologize. Um, oh, but I, my but God. But I kept my 20 bucks. Right. <laughs> That is so funny. But it was in you, that entrepreneurial spirit, the well, think out of the box. I, I just didn't see any future in dimes and quarters and, <laughs> you know, nickels. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. That's a riot. Um, are there any specific money lessons that dad taught you? Or was it just the work ethic that you continued to remind yourself and pass down to your kids? You know, I think it was the thrill of accomplishing something and then having the opportunity to use my own money. That was really mm. important to me. And it has been an important thing for me to pass on to my children as yeah. well. Um, and I remember, you know, um, one of the big blunders that I made after I graduated from college was, you know, I'd never had a credit card. M and my parents didn't believe in having credit cards. They never had one. And um, so when I got a credit card, I thought, woohoo free money. And those were the days they would oh, entice you in college, right? Exactly. Give you something for free. Yes, for, yep. absolutely. I got a nice wool sweater. And I got <laughs> and I got in a little trouble because I just kept spending uh -huh. and then would only pay the minimums off, which is a huge mistake. Yeah. Huge, huge, huge mistake. And I finally said enough is enough. And it took me about a year to snap out of it. And I stopped using um, credit cards unless I could pay them off that month. I would I would only use cash. I appreciate you telling that story because that makes us feel okay. Yeah, we made that mistake. Does it, Everybody I think, has you know? their little financial blunder. Right now, you said you mentioned that when you were young, you did already realize that you were living in a different level than your friends. Right. Did that really motivate you consciously or subconsciously to, you know, compete and try to be at their level or above? It I. I don't know if I did it then at that time, but I did aspire to want to have nicer things. And I never, ever thought that my parents, it was my parents' responsibility to make mm. that happen. Um, I felt like it was my truly my responsibility, and I needed to figure out a way on how to make that happen. And so I always had two jobs in high school, always, mm. always. I had two jobs in college. And... I was motivated by that. I wanted to do it. I never thought, oh, woe is me. And even working at Kentucky Fried Chicken or um, Notre Dame Retreat House, I really made the best of it. And I had a lot of friends who worked with me. And it just, it was a bonding thing for me more than anything yeah. else. But it was in you just to have that work ethic. Yeah, I, I enjoyed working. Absolutely. Let's move on now to your TV career, your TV life. Where did that start? How, you know, how did, how was that? Yeah. Because if, I mean, for the people who are older, <laughs> we remember you on TV. Mm -hmm. But for some people who are listening, who are like, wait, she was on TV. Can you a take us years through? Ago. I know. Um, you know, as a kid, I um, loved writing. Mm -hmm. And my friends and I in Cheshire would write plays. And then we would perform them at the fire hall. <laughs> Um, I know it sounds so, so ridiculous, but I, I always wanted to be a broadcaster. And so I studied at Kent State University 
and have a degree in broadcast journalism and a minor in French, Spanish, Italian, and German because oh. one of the things that I thought about was maybe going abroad and um, either writing for a newspaper or oh, being on yeah. TV. And so I had the bug early on. And so um, my first job was at Channel 13, and it was at a time, very different time, there weren't any women on the air. I mean, there were, there were a couple, um, but I was the first woman who was hired under 30. And age was a big deal at that time. Um, they were not hiring younger people. And it was right when that paradigm shifted. And so it was a really interesting time. Um, and I was very fortunate because I was a young woman um, just starting out. Yeah. And I was given a lot of opportunity. Thanks what do to you think? Donnie oh, Hart. I'm sorry. No. Danielle Hart? Mm-hmm. What do you think was it that that paved the way for you, that, that allowed you to get that position when you said it <laughs> you was... Let me tell you the truth. Yes. This is kind of crazy. <laughs> I walked in and I was interviewing with Dick Burt and I knew how many people were applying for this job. And um, I, I said he offered me the job on the spot. And I, and I was thinking it's because I was on the dean's list and I had this story made up in my mind. And a day later, one of the reporters said to me, do you want to know why you really got hired? And I said, sure. And, he, and she said, because you look just like Dick Burt's wife. Stop and, it. And you were an alpha fee, which that was the sorority that she was in. Talk about bursting my bubble. It's like, really? <laughs> hey, own it. That's I, fine. I know. <laughs> But, you know, it was a different time. So what made you walk away? Here you had this great career, this great opportunity. You're the first female of, you know, at your age to acquire such a position. What made you walk away from 13? Well, you know, I, um, I was pregnant for my first daughter. And um, I was in PM Magazine at the time. And we worked, you know, 70 hours a week. And uh. we traveled like crazy. And we would be away for three weeks at a time in Germany or Hawaii or wherever, doing stories. And I knew that I couldn't be a great mom and a great PM magazine person all at the same time. So my um, one of my mentors went to a different TV station and he offered me a job in sales of all things. And I was scratching my head thinking, oh, and he said, well, here's the deal. You'll work less than 40 hours a week and you'll make twice as much money as you're making right now. And that kind of got my attention. And I said, okay, (laughs) I'll try this. And I did that for about five years. And then I uh, started the company. And it was really because of my dad. Um, He had owned this business for his trucking business for a very long time. And he said, you know, you can really get as creative as you want to get. You know the business side of the business now. You know the creative side. Um, Just you know, go for it. Uh, And then he told me the best piece of advice that I've ever gotten. He said, all you have to do is motivate and excite people to want to come to work every single day. And number two, hire people smarter than you. Because I was nervous about that. I didn't have a business degree. And really, until I worked at the TV station, didn't know um, how to read a profit and loss statement. And once I learned how to do that, I felt a bit more comfortable with starting a company. And um, that's what I've done. I've hired people smarter than me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and people people in Rochester knew you because you were on TV. They, were, they already had built that trust with you, right? Do you feel like that helped in developing your company? I think, I think what that did was it allowed me to get my first meeting. Yeah. And um, 
when I was thinking about starting the company, I reached out to 30 CEOs, people I knew, um, and I said, I only need 15 minutes of your time. I'm going to ask you two questions. Uh, number one, what are the three things you love about your current advertising agency relationship? And number two, what are the things that really bug you? And what I found, the three things that bug them became my points of differentiation. Mm. And they were all the same. My agency doesn't care about me. My, um, the invoice I get doesn't match the estimate that I received. And production costs are too high. And so I turned those three things into points of differentiation. I wrote a white paper, sent it, over, said, sent it to all of them. And lo and behold, two of the 30 called and said, would you represent oh, wow. my company? And so that's how it started. And I got, and it wasn't because I thought that I would get business. I had no clue. I just wanted to understand what was going on in the marketplace and really carve out a niche for, for myself. And that is a good lesson for all of us that you don't have to kind of invent the wheel, right? You were taking something that already existed. You were just perfecting it or finding the areas where you could excel and be genuine. You were doing it in a genuine way. You really did care to find the answers of what they needed, right? And you were filling that void. Yes. Um, And I wish I had paid attention to what it could have been. Mm -hmm. I should have cultivated it further. (laughs) Um, But I kind of stumbled into it and it it all worked. I was very lucky. I want to ask you um, about the culture shift for women, especially in the workplace. But before, I want to remind everyone that conversations like this one are supported by Family First Credit Union. When it comes to financial education, earning and learning go hand in hand, and Family First is here to help you in the greater Rochester area. We're here with Lauren Dixon, the CEO and co-owner of Dixon Schwabel. Um, We talked about your time on TV and now owner of a very well-established marketing and advertising agency, you lived through the culture shift. You referred back to it like that was different, different times. You lived through the, hey, as a woman to make it in the corporate world, act like a man, quote unquote, right? Did you sense that or did you try to always not heed that advice and go your own way? I didn't heed that advice mm. I um, because that wouldn't have been real for me and um, I fortunately grew up in the Channel 13 culture where people didn't behave that way. They just didn't. Oh, that's good. And I was never really in an organization um, that that believed that. And, you know, I would go in rooms where I was the only female presenting to a group of men. And that just didn't feel, um, it didn't feel awkward for me. Um, I just felt that you know, being a woman, there's a point of differentiation and either they were going to warm up to it mm-hmm. or not or totally reject it. And it didn't hurt my feelings if they did. I just felt I want to connect uh, with clients who have values um, like mine. And I knew whether they were women or men, there were going to be some that I would totally connect with mm-hmm. and others that we wouldn't be aligned at all. And I was OK with that. Now, did you feel, I'm sorry, did you feel comfortable in a room with all men because you grew up being that, quote, tomboy, like you said, you were comfortable around? I did. So what advice do you give women who are completely intimidated by that scene, walking into a conference room and having to present in front of all these male suits, quote, unquote? My dad used to say to me, hey, Lauren, 
they all put their pants on one leg at a time. And um, I just I just would encourage people to think that they're real people, too, you know? And, um, and if someone is in a room trying to make you feel uncomfortable, don't allow that. Don't allow that ha- to happen in your life. Um, be confident um, and be secure in who you are. And, and if they don't back off, then why want to work with them, you know? Um. There are so many people who, are, um, who have values um, the same as yours. And the trick is to f- seek those people out. And don't waste your time with those who, you know, kind of want to give you a hard time. Yeah. Well, that's good advice. You don't have to win everybody over. Because you never will. No, you won't. Mm -mm. And don't beat yourself up and don't feel badly about it. Because it's, it's, um, you know, life's too short for that nonsense. Yeah. There was a time where women, for some reason, we would compete with each other instead of working together. Yes. And I feel like maybe it's because the numbers, like when you first entered the career, it was not in your favor. Right. Now that there's more equality between how many women and men are in the workplace, do you feel like we're more aligning together? I do, very much so. But I remember when I joined the workforce, a lot of women were would butt heads intentionally, mm-hmm. and I never understood that. No, yeah. I just didn't get it. And um, from the get-go, I worked really hard to be inclusive and to try to promote as many of my friends or other colleagues and, and give them shout-outs. Um, and that there was a day that that did not happen. Women would not do that for one another. Oh, absolutely. And, yep. um, and I tried to do that from the... From the get-go, because um, it was how I was raised, you know? Yeah. If you spot something fabulous happening, call it out. Tell them how terrific they are um, and make their day. Um, one of the things that we do at the agency, every Wednesday, we have a company-wide 830 meeting. And it's an opportunity for everybody within the company to give a shout-out to anybody that they want to who really went above and beyond. And that's an important 20 oh, minutes cool. of our life. For every, each other. Yes, for oh, one another. I like that. That's very cool. And um, it also serves as a way that will inspire others to go above and beyond when they see their team members doing yeah. it yeah. and um, how much recognition they get. So it's kind of a win-win. All right. So now, uh, because this is a money podcast, yes. we're going to get a little personal now. Okay. Um, now, you did admit to having that little... Stint in your life, very quick moment where you were like, ah, credit card debt. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, what other financial things can we learn from you? What, how do you run your budget? Do you and your husband do it together? Because there tends to be some couples who, hey, delegate it to one. Um, in our house, I write all of the checks, but we make the financial decisions together. We make the decisions relative to what investments we're going to do. Um, we made the decision right when we got married to begin 529s for our children mm-hmm. for college and how much money we're going to put in. And um, I'm a huge, huge believer in planning. I'm a big planner. I plan everything, even my vacations and where I'm going to go to dinner and, <laughs> you know, months in advance. It's, I'm kind of crazy that way. Um, I have always been a huge believer in, of course, 401ks and Socking at least twenty percent of what you make in an in a savings account or investments of some kind, and and I 
And I think you have to be that way because all of a sudden it creeps up on you. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're, I think, irresponsible if you don't plan in advance for every everything, be it college, be it retirement, be it, you know, vacations, whatever it is. I mean, I love um, seeing things build and grow and making sure all the I's are dotted and the T's yeah. are crossed. That's um, That makes me happy. <laughs> yes. And uh, it gives you choices, right? Mm-hmm. When you have financial security, it gives you choices. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and anyone can achieve financial security, oh right? It doesn't matter kidding? how much you make. No, absolutely not. You know, when I started the business, I had $22.11. I had just gone through a divorce. I had a one-and-a-half and a three-and-a-half-year-old kids, and um, I started a business. Anybody can do it. I'm from Cheshire, New York, for goodness sakes. (laughs) What made you see? Now, I didn't know that side of you. I didn't know. Just $23. 22. $22. Give me more credit. (laughs) (laughs) And you had, how old were your? My kids were a year and a half and three and a half, and I just went through a divorce. Oh, Lauren. And started this business. So how did you at that point were you like a lot of women where you didn't really understand the finances at that point because your husband at that time took care of it all or he did take care of it all. And um I vowed that I would never be in that pickle again ever. And um so I took the bull by the horns and um started the company and Good for did you. it very um carefully. Uh didn't take out any loans whatsoever. In fact the first office was my son's nursery, and I had duck wallpaper all along the like the side rails, right? And I lived like that for the first, oh, probably year. Which and was the motivation that yeah. you can't fail. No, exactly. And when you have two little pumpkins at home, it, you get out of bed every morning with bells on and can't wait to get to work. So um, I did it very, very cautiously and carefully and didn't even get an office. Um, I think it was probably a year into it. And um, then finally got up enough guts and got an office and signed a lease. And um, things were going along very well the first year. So um, I was confident that we could handle uh, it all. That's inspiring, though, to see that you were there. You were at. But a- anybody can. Yeah. Anybody can. Um, I don't have a business degree. And if I can do it, believe me, anybody can do it. If my math teacher knew that I was running this company, he'd be rolling over in his grave right now. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. Seriously. Lauren, thank you so much for being on the show with us and opening up and talking so candidly with us. My pleasure. Thank you. CEO and co-owner of Dixon Schwabble Marketing and Advertising Agency, Lauren Dixon. All right, next week on the Seven Figures Podcast, uncovering all the tricks to buying and selling a home, how to get the price you want. Yes, we are going to learn the dance of making an offer and a counter offer. Look forward to that. I will talk to you next week. Have a great weekend. If you have a personal finance question or feedback about the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to Sandy at sandy at rochesterbuzz.com. New episode every Friday. Listen, subscribe, and tell a friend about the Seven Figures Podcast. Smart money strategies for women. Oh, 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 oh